This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Amando Lucas Correa. Welcome to Better Reading. Thank you. I'm happy to be here again. We are really excited to see you today. Yeah. Um, I've been so looking forward to it because we've spoken, is this our third time? My third time in Australia yeah. and here. At the office, at the yes, Better Reading yes. office. I love this space, yeah. It's nice, isn't it? And I think one time I met you in New York at your office. Exactly. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Where, where were you working? Uh, I used to work at People in Espanol. It was the number one Hispanic magazine in the U.S. Mm. And after 25 years, the, you know, the company decided to leave it like a website only. Yeah. Oh, is that yeah. right? Um, I did see you on various covers, I think, when I was at the office. There were photographs. And I think I saw you with J-Lo. Did I see you with J-Lo? Oh, uh, yeah. We did a lot of <laughs> a lot of cover for J-Lo. Yeah. And, and I think the last issue that went to print, it was with her. Is that right? Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. she's... I, I always said that, you know, dealing with all these celebrity divas in Hollywood... She's one of the most professional ones. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah. well, I guess, you know, I often think the, the ones that last the longest are the most professional. I think Don't so. You think? But you know what happened with this kind of celebrity? That uh, you always, you know, get a deal with the managers and everything. And if J-Lo said to you that it's going to be between 1 to 5 p.m., it's going to be 1 to 5 p.m. Mm. I mean, if you need like a fa- five changes, you know, cloth mm. changes for the shoot... Uh, is five, not six. Mm-hmm. Mm. And she always follow everything that you need if mm. you want like a more glamorous dress. Mm. It's or, professional. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and I love when you work with someone like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That takes a job seriously. Let me introduce you. Armando is an award-winning journalist, editor, author, and the recipient of several awards from the National Association of Hispanic Publications and the Society of Professional Journalism. He is the author of the international bestseller, The German Girl, which is when we first met which is now being published in 13 languages. I think exactly 17. 17 yeah. languages. And more than 30 countries, yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it's sold over 1 million copies. That You know, I'm very proud of Would that. you ever have imagined? <laughs> no, never. I remember when uh, we sent uh, the German girl to print, the calculation it was 75,000 copies. And we yeah. were happy because, you know, 75,000 copies... And even, you know, in 2016, it was like a big number. And, you know, when I got the news that it's sold over one million copies, Mm. you know, I Mm. am very proud. Mm -hmm. Because in in the United States, I don't know, in Australia, only I think between one to two percent of the book that is sold. Their translation, you know, mm-hmm. people only read whatever they produce in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Oh, look, I, I think, um, you know, numbers are hard. 75,000 is a great number. It's a every, great number. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, translation as well, selling rights overseas. I mean, mm. you know, there is, and you might even know more than me about this, but there's a great influx of writing. There certainly is in Australia. Lots of people are writing. Lots of people are writing good books as well. So there's I a, think so. There is a lot of good books every mm. year and... I think the problem, I'm not, I don't know if I have to talk about it, but uh, I think publishing houses, mm. they're producing a lot of books mm. more than the market can handle. Mm. I think there's a, a reality, you mm. know. For example, in Simon Schuster in the U.S., they, they have a lot of in, uh, in print, mm -hmm. and each of them, they can publish over 100 uh, books per, mm. per week. Sometimes mm. that's a lot of book for it's the a lot of books. for the you know bookstores because I think they put everything outside mm. and and hope for the best exactly mm. yeah and it's whatever sticks yeah but it's a it's, it's a good thing at the same time because it you is. have your books Choices. outside look at what happened with Colin Hoover you know mm. she has all this book and then TikTok made her like the queen over the Bible, mm. you know, she sold over 20 mm. million copies. Mm. Extraordinary. And before it was around 100,000 copies mm. per year right now, you know. Do you know, let me tell you this very funny story, which will show my age probably. But when TikTok first came out, I was very nervous about putting it on the phone because I believed, you know, that's, that China was tracking me. So I was very nervous about that. I mean, I'm, I'm a good social media user. I love Instagram mm -hmm. and I use that well. I don't, you know, um, and I try and just stick with one. But I had a look at TikTok when it was first out and I thought, hmm, I can't see how that would be relevant for books. <laughs> <laughs> and then look what happened. Yeah. I was so wrong. Book docker, it's <laughs> called, yeah, yeah. That's right. I was so wrong. Anyway, Armando is here uh, to talk about his latest novel, The Night Travellers. Beautiful. Four generations of women who experience love, loss, war and hope from the rise of Nazism to the Cuban Revolution and finally the fall of the Berlin Wall. I mean, it is... I want to talk to you about writing mm -hmm. women voices mm -hmm. because, I mean, seriously, you nailed it. Mm. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Uh, you know, this is a very special book for me. Mm. And, everything and, that and I, I might say, sorry to interrupt, yeah. Amanda, and this is audio, um, podcast or audio, of course, but gosh, that's a beautiful cover. So for those of you listening, it's um, it's got a lighthouse on the front cover and it's got all these beautiful stars. And, uh, and the lighthouse is from Cuba, from yes, Havana. from yeah. Havana. Um, and you, and you can see the water, I like the water, mm. and the night, because, mm. you know, uh, yeah, darkness yeah. is yes. one of the protagonists of the book, I can say, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah you can. Talk to me about writing women. Uh, you know, I, 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 I grew up with a strong woman. Mm. And, and Your mother? My mother, uh, uh, she divorced my father when I was two and a half years old, and my, oh. I think my sister was like a month. Because, you know, it, it was during the 60s, mm. and I, 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 I was born after the revolution. Where did you grow up? I, well, I was born in Guantanamo, and my father, uh, he was an in, in electrical engineering from the U.S. Guantanamo base, mm -hmm. and after the revolution, you know, he lost his job. And my mother wanted to be an engineering too. And, mm -hmm. and for my father, you know, and during the 60s, you know, women have to stay at home mm -hmm. taking care of the children. And, 
she was the you know she's a very smart woman she was she went to one of the best school in Guantanamo mm -hmm. that it was bilingual English and Spanish and she wanted to be an engineer and then she, they got divorced we moved to Havana mm -hmm. and my mother became a mechanical engineering and she's 83 years a mechanical old mechanical engineer. engineering I mean to be an engineer and yeah. be female and, you know, as well we're talking about the 60s mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and And she's 83 years old. She's living in Miami and she's still working. Oh, wow. And she's a very smart and a strong woman. And I grew up with my grandmother. And, and my grandmother, I think she's the biggest inspiration for all my books because she's the daughter of the Spanish immigrant that arrived in Cuba at the beginning of the 20th century. And she was the one who was pregnant with my mom when the boat, you know, the, mm -hmm. the St. Louis arrived in Cuba. And... And when all these 937 uh, Jewish refugees were rejected by the government at that time, and that you've written about that, uh, that the German girl, the German, the girl. German girl, and yeah. my, I, I grew up during the 70s when I was a child in the 80s, and my grandmother saying Cuba is going to pay very dearly because what they did to the Jewish refugees for the next 100 years, mm -hmm. you know, she was a crazy woman. Mm -hmm. And my sister, and and I never, every time, you know, everybody asked me about that. And I never thought, oh, I'm going to write about women and and little girls. and But it was, I think it's part of my story. Mm -hmm. I think so, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you, um, when you're writing about women, do you sometimes ring a girlfriend up or ringing your mother up or whatever and ask her? It's like, you know, do, do women do this or or is that more of a male trait? I think it's do organic. You, it's organic. I, yeah, yeah, I think why? it's writing. Because you're an observer, you're yeah. a storyteller. And, you know, I, I am a journalist at the same time. Yeah. I do, uh, I, I, I love, I enjoy doing the mm. research. And at the beginning uh, for the Sherman Girl, I was thinking to do like a, a non-fiction book Yeah, with a lot of testimony about the, the survivors. Yeah. And then, you know, when I became a father, everything changed. At the same time, my daughter, Emma, gave voice to these uh, characters, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're a big influence, I think. Absolutely. But I have a son, and my son said, uh, uh, when you're going to write a book with the boys going to be the protagonist? <laughs> tell, like, tell me, have you got three children or two? I have three. Am oh, I right. 17? I have twins, Anna and Lucas. They are 13. They're 13. And, right. and I said, look, okay, uh, because I, I signed with the Simon Schuster US and all the three books. Right. After the Night Travelers and one of the oh, novels. Oh, you just renewed a contract. Oh yeah, oh, I am lucky. I'm lucky, sure, because you know, I never. Every time that I sold a book, it's a paragraph. Mm. It's a project. You know, I, I know this is not common, but I'm lucky because uh, I have the German girl with all the success mm. that I have. And uh, when we send the the book to print, the German girl. That we were thinking, oh, they're going to sell uh, mm, around 75,000 <laughs> copies. Uh, they asked me to sign for another two books. Yeah, Because, yeah. you know, at the beginning, it was around 12 
countries that they mm. bought the books. Mm. And right now it's in over 30 countries and 17 languages. Yeah. And then, you know, we signed for the Doris Cell and for the Night Travelers. And for the Doris Cell, I presented like a, a page. Yeah. For the Night Travel, it was a paragraph. Oh, and wow. the paragraph was simple. You know, the Night Travel is, is the story of this uh, uh, young German poet mm. who has a Michelin daughter. Michelin is mixed race daughter with a, a black German musician. Mm. And after the Nuremberg race law, she has to do the impossible to get her out of the country. Mm -hmm. That was the paragraph that I sent. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I start processing and creating. And yeah. and when I was writing, I'm, we're talking like crazy, but, you <laughs> yeah. know, I'm sorry. Oh, but no, no, when I was writing The Night Travelers, it was in the middle of the U.S., Mexican border crisis and I don't know if you remember a lot of children sending by themselves and putting in cages. That. Oh so my God. That has got to be history will look at that oh. as one of the atrocities it, that it the was, US committed. It was depressive. And then, it's an atrocity. Uh, yeah. Oh. And, and when you are a father and you oh. see that and I remember going to Miami to cover the story mm. for the magazine that I used oh. to work And a lot of uh, women are saying, oh, my oh. God, we the, the, this mother that sent these children by themselves, they have to put on jail. We have, they have to kill them. And I said, okay, do you remember the kinder transport when 10,000 mm. children were sent by themselves mm. to England? And all of them survived and the mm. parents were exterminated in Auschwitz. Mm. And then I decided to use the Operation Peter Pan when over 14,000 children were sent in 1962 to United States with the help of the Catholic Church to save them from the communism. You know, you we can judge, you mm. know, we need to... Oh, I mean, you, you, you know, we you just never have to, know. You could look at it, the, uh, our country here, the stolen generation. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. we took Aboriginal children away from their parents, mm -hmm. away from their families. Mm -hmm. I, I, It's unfathomable to me. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about... Because I feel that the success of your writing is, you. yes, you have a strong storyline, you're a good writer, but there is an understanding and an empathy. And I think mm -hmm. that comes from your own history, doesn't it? I think so, because, uh, and it was in Australia. I remember when I, I was presenting in 2017, the German girl, someone in one of the lunch in the Four Seasons asked mm -hmm. me, Armando, uh, this book is because of the Syrian crisis, all these refugees walking around mm -hmm. Europe. To f so, okay, if you see my book right now, it's because I finished like uh, two years ago without the Syrian crisis. And then I realized at the same time, I am a refugee. You know, I'm a Cuban refugee living in the United States that I have to learn a language, reinvent them, and create a new career. And, you know, and that's not easy. People people have this, you know, local people, when it comes to migrants. Exactly. And you have inside because, you know, I am lucky and I have all my family mm. in Miami, my mother, my sister, my cousins. I think yeah. you told me a story, and I don't know if I've got this right, but you told me a story that the building that you live in or a building oh, yeah. you... Is that a yeah. true story? Oh, I yeah. remember that. Oh, tell me uh, that story. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, in New York, uh, most of the buildings are co-op. And you live in New York now. In New York City, in mm -hmm. Manhattan. And when we had the twins, we decided to buy a big apartment mm -hmm. uh, close to the park. We need three bedrooms and we applied to a co-op. Co-op is a kind of cooperative mm -hmm. and all the 
you know, the people who live there decide if you are accepted or not. Mm, we in have the, some of those here. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, in, in, in Manhattan, I think it's 80 or 90% of the building is that way. Mm-hmm. And we were the, the first uh, Hispanic couple, uh, you know, buying in this building from 1905. Yeah, wow. It's close to Columbia University, very liberal mm. neighborhood. Mm. And at the same time, we were the first gay couple. Mm. <laughs> but when... Okay, we bought the apartment, we started living there, and my partner became part of the board. And then I remember someone sending an email that a woman, a dentist, was buying an apartment, and the husband was very nice. And she's always putting that the husband was very nice. And then she was approved. Uh, you know, the parents gave them the money for the down payment. And the husband was very nice. The husband was a black, you know. And then, oh, wow. And then it was the first black buying an apartment in the building. But, uh, you know, even in New York, that everybody's from every you know, and, and, it's, it's made and, up yeah, of immigrants, exactly. Isn't it? But yeah. that's happened all the time. Are you still in the same place? I we live in the same. They left the building, by the way. They oh, get right. separated, <laughs> and with and the very nice husband. Yeah, yeah. the very nice, and he's very nice, <laughs> and and. But it's New York, you yeah. Know, of course, of course. I love, I I, I love New York. Oh yeah. God, so yeah. do I. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Talk to me about your career, you know, firstly, how you got into journalism mm-hmm. and how you, you then, I mean, because you had that job for how many years? Yeah. And it was uh, a big job. Well, you know, I started in Cuba, something called theatre and drama, and yeah. I was a theatre critic, a, a theatre and Havana. dance critic in Havana, in a, yeah. you know, in a magazine called Tablas. I'm and going I, to Cuba next yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, you know, I left my country, I started my life in Miami. How old were you? About? I, I was 28 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And then uh, I was invited by a big university mm-hmm. talking about sociology and theater in New York. And then, you know, all the Cubans have more possibility in Miami. Mm. First of all, because of the language mm. and because there is a lot of Cuban and they have the political power in the city too. And then they have the biggest newspaper in Spanish in the country was the Herald, no, oh, okay. attached to the Miami Herald. Yeah, and then that was my dream, uh, working there. And then I started doing freelancing. And in 1993, that's 1991, 1993, I get a full-time job as a clerk reporter. Right. I was responsible for the obits right. at the newspaper, and I did a career there. It was very important for me because. Uh, 
Uh, even I study journalism in Cuba, it's completely different. When mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. And also every organization is different. Exactly. It's a different discipline. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I, I love doing, you know, working on deadline and covering mm-hmm. politics, crime, mm-hmm. elections. Mm-hmm. And during the weekend, I did uh, interview to celebrities for the entertainment side of the newspaper. And that Were was, you interested in celebrity? Or uh, not, just, really, no, not really. Not really. I, no. I remember, I, you know, I interviewed a lot of big celebrities. I didn't know who <laughs> they were. <laughs> and then, you know, taking pictures, I sent it to my mom in Cuba. So, oh my God, he's very famous. That's yeah. a, my favorite singer or whatever. No? And then uh, my editor at the head of moved to New York to work for the New York Times. And then she heard that they were opening a, a, a new magazine called People in Español Attached to People magazine that is, you know, the number and one magazine. And that was owned by the New York Times. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't and know then, that. And uh, then, no, 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 my editor moved to the New oh, York Times. Okay. And then she heard that Time, Time in Publishing, they were opening the People in Español looking for a senior writer. Yeah. And they, you know, I did the interview. My dream was, you know, move to New York. Mm-hmm. And... And they gave me the offer. You know. Had you met your partner there? No, no. We left Cuba almost together. I oh, left, you did. Yeah, oh, he right. left in September. He's, he oh, was wow. a photographer so for the magazine. Term. And then in October, we were together. I think it's going to be almost 40 years. Oh, my 38. God. He yeah. must be a very nice man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then they create people in Espanol. I started as a senior writer, and in 2007, I became editor-in-chief until wow. last year that, you know, the magazine closed. How many closed. years? 14 years as an editor-in-chief and 24 years at the oh, magazine. Wow. I remember when they created people in Espanol, we were really small, like, yeah. a, you know, 100,000 copies yeah. per month. And then uh, it was growing, growing with the... I think we have over four million readers. <gasps> wow! Yeah. Wow! 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 How did you, How do you feel about stopping full time work? How did you well, feel uh, uh, during the pandemic? That is, it, it, it was a, a, a weird period that I really enjoy. I, you know, I, I yeah. feel bad when I say that because yes. I have a, like a very hectic life and with the children and my office, and we have a house upstate New York outside of the city, and it was like a, a paradise for us. You yeah, know? you had uh, the children with we you. We had the children there. Uh, they started having a lot of animal, dogs, cats, lizard, everything. <laughs> And it was of paying therapy or having animals. And we spent a year and a half in the middle of the woods. Oh, wow. And I finished a novel. And you were lucky to get out of New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because in in an apartment, you know, even I have a three-bedroom apartment that's really small for five people Mm. with the dog. Mm. And a pandemic. (laughs) And a pandemic. And a lot of people dying in New York. It was terrible. Oh, uh, New York is very hard here. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, uh, we stayed in, and and during the pandemic, I was editing the Night Travelers. Ah, so you'd already written it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was finished. But the process of editing translation, I have to work with the translation. Hang on a second. So when you you were still working, you had finished? Exactly, still working. And and the process of editing could be like a six-month. Yeah. And then I have to pass all the editing in English to the Spanish copy Mm. by myself. And then we signed for another three books with uh, with Simon and Schuster. Right. And so I, I've never thought about this. Do you write in Spanish or in English? I, I, I write, write in Spanish. I send to London 
the manuscript for translation, yeah. and then I revise the translation because it's British. I, we have to Americanize mm. the the book. So you kind of dual kind of published, don't you? No, no, it's crazy. It's yeah, it's, it's yeah. a lot, and and I have a great editor, uh, Peter Borland. Mm-hmm. He's a master, you mm. know. And then we work together, and sometimes. He he asked me, you need another scene here. And I love to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I have to do the same in Spanish. Mm-hmm. When I have to write something small, I do it in English. Mm-hmm. And when it's 10 pages, I prefer, you know, to okay. be translated. I got it. You know what editors do? And, and you'll know this, you know, book editors. They've kind of got a bird's eye view of your work, don't they? Yeah. They always come down on the work from above, Mm -hmm. I think, and they just see everything laid out, don't they? Yeah. I like the editor because, you know, when you write for... Because it took me like three years to finish this book and we're talking about over 100,000 words. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of words Mm -hmm. and a lot of character, as you know. Mm -hmm. You need someone from outside to Mm -hmm. see because... Mm -hmm. Because I know, I always have like emotional connection with the reader. I know how to flow the pace. Mm. But sometimes you need some kind of Oh, you get lost. <laughs> exactly. You get lost. And, yeah. and when you have this vision, and Tia is my editor here in Australia, she has, you know, a lot of input in the book too. And I love drama. Uh, and I, I cried writing. And I, I love when the reader mm. cried too. But sometimes you need a kind of redemption. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, no, I, I And I Peter that. and Anthea helped me to do that. And, and mm. do Okay, I've got another question for you. So really, in your writing career, you've always worked full-time mm-hmm. and written. So now... Now I am a full-time writer. Tell me how different that, that's that is. That's a little scary. You know, financially, I am very... I am very conservative, you know, yeah. and I don't have mortgages, and I have my saving, and yeah. and You've we have the contract with, with the books, yeah. you know, and and sometimes you don't need a lot of money. And do you know what I always say? You live off what you've got. Exactly, and yeah. I don't have debts, and I say, okay, this yeah. is my time, but. I mm. always, you know, I, 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 I wrote three books mm. under a lot of pressure. Mm. Writing in, in the middle of the night, during the weekend, in my flight to Australia, mm. you know. Mm. And now... Full-time job, exactly, three children you know, and a partner. I am reading during the day. That's mm. never happened to me, mm. you know. That's my first thing that I do mm. during the day. Right now... I wake up uh, around 7 a.m. The children, uh, you know, they go to school around 8. I write and read between 8 to 2. When they arrive, I walk like between 4 to 6 miles every day around Manhattan. That's my routine right now. Do you give yourself a work count now? Do you kind of look at it as a job? I'm going in at 8 o'clock, I'm going to finish at 2, and I need to have finished this much. Do you do no, that? No, no, no. How no. do you do it? No, I, I, you know, I am the kind of writer that I need to read before I start writing. This is my Reading warming. research? Yeah. No, no, no. Reading. Research, research is part of the job. Okay. Writing is a warming up of my brain. And, and reading anything. Oh yeah, yeah. The the thing that I'm reading, you know, the the oh, wow. I I'm reading all the time fiction. I love to read all these literary books that they have success. I I need to understand from Spain, from Latin America, from US or mm. France, and I always reading. 
Uh, oh, I read around two to three books per week. Wow. Yeah, and then in the morning I read the book that I'm reading, and this is like a, between 40 minutes Does to one hour. Does your partner sometimes yeah. say to you, knock, knock, is someone, <laughs> are you in the land of the living no, the, or in you right in now, imagination you know, world? Yeah, no, <laughs> in, in the country house I have my office you know, yeah. with all my books. Yeah. In the apartment is a corner in the dining room, yeah, close imagine. to the window, <laughs> looking to the park. But it's, and then uh, for my partner, even the children, they think I am playing. You know, yeah, yeah. if I'm writing or concentrate, even doing a podcast, they interrupt me all the time, <laughs> you know. And I have to say, I have the children here. I have yeah. my partner here. You have to be prepared yes. that they're going to interrupt. But, you know, for them, yeah. I am having a, a my good life, you yeah. know. So with your writing now, this is going to be a unique experience Completely, for you. Completely, yeah. I, I am not. I am a, a little disoriented. Yes. The good thing about this is uh, before, you know, coming, this is my third time in Australia. Yes. And we I always have to say yeah. five, seven days. Right now, if they need me 10 days, I can yes. be here 10 days. Yeah. You know, I, I went to the book fair in Colombia last week before... I went to San Antonio, Texas, and in Colombia, Ecuador said, can you come for a week to Ecuador? Oh, yeah. In yeah. When? September. You happened to be there. Yeah, yeah. When I was, you know, before it's only one travel per right. year, a big travel, you know, a weekend is yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, a different life. And but you have, have you started writing another book? Oh, yeah. I always writing, Cheryl. You're yeah. always writing. <laughs> I, I always writing. Because, you know, the night traveler, because the pandemic is out this year, but it has to be out last year. Yes. And it's, it's going to be weird because my next book, The Silence Arrive, is going to be out in January next year. And, oh, wow. And it's too close to this one. At least in the U.S., I, I hope. So you finished it already. Oh, that, that that's done. Yeah. Man, man. Right now, I'm writing my the, no my, my Cuban you. novel. You know, <laughs> right now I'm working in this whole 20th century in Cuba, inspired by yeah. my grandmother, mm. and that's the one that I have to mm. finish. Uh, you know, mm. I, my goal is to finish by December. Mm. Right now, it's 75 percent mm. done. Do you know? I want to ask you. Um, because you know this probably, you know, my parents are Lebanese. Well, they've both passed away now, but I have a real sense of identity of, you know, if you were to ask me, even though I was born here, I would say that I'm Lebanese first. I feel a strong connection to my heritage. How do you feel in terms of identity? I remember I wrote a column for Time magazine that is mm. called, you know, the title, it was the headline, uh, I am a bad Cuban. And I wrote her because a Cuban is very difficult f mm. for us, mm. you know. Uh, it's a difficult relationship with the U.S. Uh, yes, because, you know, it's mm. still, they have a dictatorship. Mm. You know, you can be in jail for seven years because mm. you go to the street and protest all the young people, the artists. Mm. Uh, and when I, they opened the relationship with, during Obama's mm. presidency, uh, they opened the relationship and they create this fir first delegation of editors and publishers. And because I am, I was the editor of People in Espanol, I was in the 
with the first delegation and my editor at Simon and Schuster said, you have to go because the, all the most important people, mm -hmm. the interest is going to be there and the German girl is going to be out next year. And then I went. I said to them, okay, I'm Cuban. You are American. I am American citizen, but I need a Cuban passport. I need a permit to enter mm -hmm. and even that I'm Cuban. And they allowed me to go. And then I promised to the small Holocaust Museum there that the next year I'm going to donate 100 copies of the book. And um, most of the, you know, I have almost a small museum of the St. Louis mm. in my house, all original document, mm. pictures, mm. memorabilia. And, and then the next year we arrived there and they they banned all the books from the American delegation. I, In my paranoia, I said, this is because of the German girl. And yes, you know, they liberated all the book, but not the, the German girl. And they have to present oh. the donation to the synagogue. The next day I explained to this woman, you know, I'm leaving uh, oh. uh, <laughs> the day after my presentation, but uh, but you're going to stay here. It's going to be a problem for you. No, no, the, it's going to be fine. And then the next day when I'm going to present the book, she was pale and she told me, no, no, the the, the, you know, someone from the party who attends religion came here and said that you need a religious visa to do the presentation. And she explained, he's not a rabbi, you know, he's doing a donation. We're talking about a book. And, but she invited uh, CNN, Reuters, mm. AP, you know, all the, mm. and the ambassador from Canada, Holland. And we did the presentation in panic, uh, and the next day I left and then I I wrote the column that I, I am a bad Cuban because I live in New York, very far from Miami, uh, reading whatever the New York Times write about Cuban that's really small. Mm. And But when I left my country, it's... You, you know, it's painful, you know, and and still I feel that it, that's the reason I prefer to be, de, you know, detached mm. from mm -hmm. from that reality. When, when you, how long had it been since you'd gone back? The problem when I, uh, you know, when I left Cuba, I started working for the Herald. Mm. I was in the Cuba team covering the visit of the Pope, the first mm -hmm. Pope who went to Cuba, Jean Paul, I think, mm. and. I went, you know, they gave me a visa. When I arrived, they mm. don't let me in. And they, <sighs> and that was another nightmare. I said, I have to put Cuba on the side because yeah, it's too... Yeah, you have to let it go. Yeah. And then, you know, I went with this delegation. It was important for me because uh, I I went to the, the, the lighthouse mm. and I can see the Havana from the same point of view mm. of the refugee from the St. Louis. And I cried like an idiot. <laughs> There. Mm. Oh, I, I, and, I think and, that. It and, was... and for me, it was important. And I dream that one day I can travel with my children to show I was going them. to ask you, have your children been? Oh, no. no. They, they ask me all the time, but it's, it's yeah. complicated. You know, mm. I think we need time. And right now, the situation with the political prisoner is, mm. is hard. Mm. Yeah. It is. It's such a one trouble day. place. One day, one day. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've, we're out of time. We're way out of time. Yeah. We're going to get into trouble. I love talking to you, Cheryl. <laughs> I, yeah. I enjoy it too. You're such a beautiful storyteller in yeah. writing and orally. Yeah. Uh, the book is called The Night Travellers. Um, Amando, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I love Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.